Welcome, everyone, to a Friday edition of the Politically Incorrect Podcast. I'm Jim Williams, Washington Bureau Chief, News Talk Florida, your host. I'm joined, as always, by our panel, Alan Steinberg, Joe Henderson, Tom Jackson, all columnists for News Talk Florida. You're listening to the Politically Incorrect Podcast on NewstalkFlorida.com and on Blog Talk Radio. All right, guys, here's the situation. We know that Donald Trump had a tough week, specifically with women and women voters. Yet he picked Mayor Rudolph Giuliani of New York and Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House, and Rush Limbaugh to try to help him as surrogates. And I'm not sure you could have picked three surrogates who've had more trouble with women in their careers, yet they were out front trying to explain away Donald Trump's accusations and his constant badgering of his former Miss Universe pageant contestant. Your thoughts? Well, a better question is what hasn't gone wrong this week, and I think I have an answer for that. Um, What hasn't gone wrong for Donald Trump is that after getting his backside handed to him in the debate and all of the subsequent digging in deeper with his post-debate analysis, I don't know what you'd call it, but post-debate excuse-making, and topping it off by claiming Hillary was mean. That after all of that, he's still in the race. It, it, there, it, it, it would defy explanation, except the explanation is unbelievably simple. People who like Donald Trump or more to the point, don't like Hillary Clinton, don't care what Trump does. They don't care what he says. They don't care what a mess he makes of things. They are so programmed to hate Hillary Clinton that Donald Trump, in their eyes, can do no wrong, and that, in their eyes, he actually won the debate. So we say it's Donald Trump's bad week. I think it was Donald Trump's normal week, and he's going to continue this right up uh, into November. Okay, Tom, your turn. Well, I would I would object to, to Joe's term of uh, people who are programmed to, to object to Hillary Clinton. I think people who don't like Hillary Clinton don't like Hillary Clinton on, on principle and on merit. There's no programming there. She has she has earned the animus. She has earned all the animus that she is that has that has come her way. And uh, the fact that the, the race is as close as it is, as awful as Donald Trump is, is tribute to her persistent abuse of other people who have gotten in her way over these past however many years it is, whether it's 26 or 30 or beyond that. Uh, so, so programming is a, is a term I, uh, of, that I would object to. Uh, but other than that, Joe is absolutely right. Um, Donald Trump has had a, a, an absolutely horrid week um, by, by almost any measure. Um, he, he was he brought he brought 20 minutes of material to a 90 minute show, and he would not have done that with The Apprentice, but he did here for for a far 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 more uh, important show, um, which is what the which is what the debates always turn out to be anyway. 
uh, 20 minutes for a 90-minute show, and he just he, – he did – I mean, he, by by his standard, he did pretty well for the first 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I mean, because he, he was on his, he was on the attack, but he, he ran out of gas, and he ran out of ideas, and he ran out of material. And Hillary was, in the end, the one who was poised, who knew stuff. I mean, I object to all the stuff that she knows. It was an, it was a, a laundry list of of left leaning uh, items uh, uh, wishes from that date back to Marx. Uh, but in in spite of that, she was she was superior. She had more of a uh, a grasp of the facts. She had more poise. Um, and but again, Joe's exactly right. People who are objecting to Hillary and are glomming on to Donald Trump as the vessel of their fury and rejection are going to keep him into the race at the very end, it looks like. Alan, your turn. Uh, I think that uh, Donald Trump was badly hurt. I respectfully disagree with my colleagues. I say that for three reasons. Uh, The issue of temperament, uh, he was laughable. Uh, he was ranting and raving the whole time, and then at the end of the debate, he's saying, "I got the best temperament." You know, it sounds like the uh, person like Don Knotts. Uh, he used to be on Steve Allen. They'd say, "Are you nervous?" No, no, nervous. Nope. I mean, he sounded ridiculous <laughs> on the temperament issue. The second thing was on stamina. He was wheezing like an out of control uh, person about to faint, and he's talking about how he has stamina, and she was just standing there smiling. He looked ridiculous. But the third thing is the polls I have seen since the debate. I told friends out of that night and uh, people who uh, I write with in New Jersey, uh, you know, fellow political aficionados, I said, she's going to win this election unless she has a meltdown, some bad revelation. But the immediate bump is going to be no more than 2%. It's been more than that. I'm looking at the state-by-state polls. Uh, There's no path for Donald Trump to win if he doesn't carry Florida. And the uh, Suffolk poll today shows a four-point margin. In uh, Colorado, she's now up by seven. It's been a dead heat. She's now up by seven in Michigan. Uh, she's up everywhere. She's up in Nevada, where she was behind by 6%. So I think that the meltdown in the polls uh, on the part of Trump was much worse than I could have anticipated. And I don't think it's so much due to the issues as it is to the whole commander-in-chief uh, temperament issue. And he, the idea that she was uh, lacking in stamina, that she had a health problem, after that debate, nobody's even going to say that anymore. Maybe Trump will say it, but he won't have any credibility. I mean, oh, that's like a great... credibility has gotten in his way. Yeah, I was going to say, he hasn't had credibility since he rode down the escalator. And... Well, that's why he's going to lose. Well, he hasn't lost yet. He's... I, I mean, think I, he will. You know me, I, th- I think Trump is, would be... Uh, a disaster of unfathomable proportions for this nation. And having said that, there is some kind of mojo going on out there that either people, A, don't quite get that, or B, more than likely, are going, I don't care. You know, that's what we need. Blow it up. Let's start over. And Well, that's you know, 40%. Well, I hope that that's where it stays, but uh, it's it's a little frightening that it's this close. Well, I'll tell, I don't think it's that close anymore, and I'll say one more thing about that. Uh, there was an enthusiasm. 
that gap is gone. Her base is more energized than ever before, and I know she did something really clever this week. I'm not a Bernie Sanders fan at all. I like him personally, but I don't know how they're going to pay for free college. I think that's a promise there. And uh, he's affected with these millennials. This is a campaign that is very carefully calibrated. I think they make one mistake when they send Robbie Mook on TV instead of Brian Fallon. But nevertheless, I think they're very carefully calibrated. I think they're smart. And I think they're going to shore up the millennial base. I think they're going to win. This is the Politically Incorrect Podcast. You just heard Alan Steinberg. Uh, I'm Jim Williams, your host, Joe Henderson, Tom Jackson. Two very special people, nothing unnormal about them. And uh, we are here chatting on NewstalkFlorida.com, BlogTalkRadio.com about the week that was for Donald Trump. You know, guys, we are talking about the debate. As someone who's prepared for these things, for debates, not a presidential debate, but debates, debates can be very, very tiring because – you literally have to listen to every word that everybody says, the intonation of how they say it, the way they structure the question, all of that. And I think uh, to the point about his stamina situation, I, I don't know that Donald Trump has ever had to stand somewhere and pay that much attention to what's going on, knowing that there are some things he don't, you know, he has no idea what he's talking about. Well, I concur with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and the one thing that that we know Donald doesn't enjoy is being questioned. He does not like anybody to disagree with him, and uh, he doesn't want to be burdened uh, with facts. He creates his own facts, and when the fact checkers were just like, uh, I'm. I'm Hello. Hello. Oh, my... Fellas. Yeah, he's. I'm still here. Okay. You went away. We lost your oh. we lost your audio for a second. That's very weird. Well, anyway, where was I? You were uh, we back checkers. Back checkers. It's like their uh, their keyboards were melting, and they couldn't keep up with it. It was it was it was almost comical, and. Uh, then Trump comes out, confront him with all of his inaccuracies, and creates his own reality, as he always does. And the people who are going to vote for him just lap it up. And they're they're you know, by the end, I think it was by yesterday, um, all of a sudden now it was all Lester Holt's fault. You know, they started off uh, <laughs> Trump actually praised Lester Holt. Then it was like, well, like, you know, we had a little problem. And by yesterday, he was uh, out there. It was rigged, man. It was rigged. It was rigged. And so, okay, fine, whatever. Maybe It's a little scary, though, to think that 40% of the nation believes that. I don't think it is, you know, I understand the scary part. I do understand that I don't think that 40% necessarily believe everything he's talking about. I think they believe in the concept that, you know, we need someone in there who's strong. We need someone in here who is a little different that's going to shake things up. 
And what the hell, you know, um, you know, blowing things up may not be a bad idea. So there is, you know, a tremendous amount of folks out there who, who follow him and like him for, you know, just that bombacity that a lot of people are turned off by. But 40% well, of them Don seem to like him. Yeah, Donald Trump's best argument, he's, he's an imperfect messenger, but his best argument is that uh, America has been on the, on the wrong track for at least the past 15 years, if not the last 26 or so, and that he is just the kind of outsider to, to blow it up and get things and get things going on on the right track again. I mean, I think the argument that he ought to make time and time and time again is what happened with that skating rink in New York City that that the government just made a big, huge mess of for month after month after month, cost overruns, couldn't get it done. He said, "I'll take it over and I'll get it done." And uh, according to all reports, he, his his uh, his construction company took it over, got it finished uh, in, in, in under uh, in short order and under budget. And he ought to be going around and saying, "This is what I want to do for America. This is what I did for New York. This is what I'll do for America." But he is so wrapped up in his ego that he can't let the 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 good, the, the good things that have happened on his watch with his company come to fruition and come to the forefront because it's, he's always being – and he's, he's the most easily baitable uh, politician, and, that, and you know, he's running for office now. He is a politician. He is the most easily baitable politician that I think I have seen in my lifetime. Uh, and and I, I think he's got – as I say, I think he's got a decent story to tell, but he just refuses to tell it. If Donald Trump were a a Marlin or a Tarpon, he would have, uh, with his penchant for taking the bait, he would be stuffed and on a wall by now. Yeah, let's exactly just, right. Let's just, put, let's just put it that way. Hil yeah. Hillary Clinton lured him into some exchanges the other night that you know, uh, a high school debater should have seen coming and, and slipped the punch and instead you know, waded right into it with him. Uh, with her and you know that raises the question again to me is does he really want to win this thing and i he cannot possibly think that that the you know what, what was it there was the deal where uh hillary was talking to him about um stiffing contractors that work for him right right and remember remember his response well maybe they didn't do a good job and yeah when when she uh, was was talking about his his income taxes well tax returns don't show that much really is that why every presidential candidate for who knows how long have been releasing them it's just this is amateur hour and uh you know, you've you've seen a lot of unnamed sources this week within the Trump camp saying, "Yeah, we, yeah, it could have been better, and we're going to work on it." But then the camp, the candidate himself, is is going along like uh, like he actually won the debate and everything's fine. It's he, he lives in an alternate universe, and we even worse. Go ahead. I'm go, sorry. Go ahead. Alan. No, no. Go ahead. Finish. Go ahead. Even worse than when he says tax returns don't show that much is when he said, and when she said, you may have paid no income tax. He said, that makes me smart. 
Now, yeah. a mm-hmm. business person could, re- you know, maybe could relate to that. But his, this is something that could hurt him with his core supporters. They're out there. They're paying a very large percentage of their income as taxes because they don't have the deductions a wealthier person has. So this show, it's kind of like he, he's among Mitt Romney's top 47%. I thought it was an incredibly bad move for him among undecided voters. But then the other thing was, when she mentioned how he was uh, bragging about how he would profit from the collapse of the housing market, he said, well, that's what you call business. Well, any undecided voters out there aren't going to buy that sort of garbage. He alienated a lot of people that night. He had, in order for him to win, he asked to make progress among white college-educated women, and he could not have been worse with that demographic than he was that night. It was a, it was a disaster, yeah. and then... He goes off the stage. You can tell, you know, it was like Peggy Noonan wrote an article how you get the whoosh when you've had a great night. Well, Hillary Clinton has the whoosh now, and uh, he walked off that stage, and when he met Melania, it looked like they were going to a funeral together. <laughs> You're listening no, to the that, podcast with Alan Steinberg, Joe Henderson, Tom Jackson. I'm Jim Williams, Washington Bureau Chief of News Talk Florida. You're listening to us on NewstalkFlorida.com and BlogTalkRadio.com. Guys, one of the things about the post-debate situation, and people, I don't know that everyone knows this, but if we're getting a little inside baseball, let me know. The polls that are taken directly after the debate are online polls, all right? And that simply means, folks, if you want to go online to Time or to Drudge or to wherever, you can vote by simply hitting it once, refreshing, hitting it again, and each every candidate you want, you could vote as many times. And literally, there are, are analytical programs that you can put into your computer that you can hit a button and vote a thousand times. So once the scientific polls came out, and I think the first one was CNN's, and showed that the bait didn't go Donald Trump's way, uh, that's when you could start to see the fault line begin to break. And, and you know, as you guys have said earlier, first it was Lester not being a good uh, host. Then it was, you know, the former Miss Universe uh, was a bad person. And, you know, she duped Hillary into all this. And, and things began to go off the rails the more and more data that went to Trump showing him that you know what you may have thought you had a good debate because you read the polls you know right afterwards but you didn't and if you're not going to listen to me at least look at the numbers well i have a prediction for you uh he's kind of like george steinbrenner except uh steinbrenner had a little more sensitivity believe it or not he's going to end up firing kellyanne uh, conway because he fires everybody if it doesn't go well uh, I think, you know, I'm reading the New York Times yesterday was they were getting leaks like a sieve from the campaign in their article about the post-debate atmosphere. And it sounds like the family is dissatisfied and the family has a, is the one group that does have influence on him. They're dissatisfied. And if they start harping on how badly he was prepared, I expect to see uh, Kellyanne Conway go. I mean, it, you know, he has a relationship with his managers like Steinbrenner had with Bill Verdon and Billy Martin and Bob Lemon. <laughs> Tell you what, guys, let's step aside, take a break. We'll come right back, and we'll talk more about what's going on in the political scheme of things. There's a lot of interesting stuff to take on. After the break, you're listening to the Politically Incorrect podcast on 
NewstalkFlorida.com and Blog Talk Radio with Alan Steinberg, Joe Henderson, Tom Jackson. I'm Jim Williams. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Politically Incorrect Podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host from NewstalkFlorida.com, Washington Bureau Chief. Joining us today, Joe Henderson, Tom Jackson, Alan Steinberg. We were talking about the debate situation. And guys, um, after that, there's uh, something that popped up. We know about the Miss Universe situation and the fallout where that might come. But then there was the Newsweek story that dropped, and uh, that says that he may have had, it's alleged, that he had ties with uh, dealings with Fidel Castro a number of years ago, long before uh, there was any even thought of a possible uh, normalization of uh, relations with the island country. And uh, Tom, you're um, you're a friend and, and former person who ran for president, Senator Marco Rubio. Uh, He's not my yesterday. friend. I'm sorry? <laughs> <laughs> they are acquaintances. I'm Go sorry. Ahead. I apologize. I'm trying to be nice. I, I I don't dislike Marco Rubio. I was simply saying it. I'm you're the fan. only one here who pointed out the fact that you had him in your car. So we've not had I that did. that privilege. Okay. So all right, all right. your all right. acquaintance, Mr. Ru- you know, Senator Rubio, says now that you know he needs and wants the campaign to become transparent on this issue and. Um, do we think that that um, Senator Rubio will get satisfaction out of this? I would be real surprised if he gets anything approaching uh, transparency on this. However, um, there's there's and I, I I cannot confess that I am a an expert on what went on then, and I was not paying close attention to what was going on with Cuba in the night in the late 1990s. Uh, however, the the uh, the fellow who edits Capitol Hill Cubans, um, who uh, do we do we know this guy, Alan uh, Mauricio Clavier uh, Clavier Caron, um, has been writing about this. And uh, if I can just quote his blog, he an explanation of what he says went down in the late 1990s, like today, the Bill Clinton administration was licensing and encouraging U.S. companies to take scouting trips to Cuba with the hope that they would return and lobby Congress to ease the sanctions he codified into law in 1996. Uh, At the time, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce was forming coalitions to do business in Cuba with the same zeal as today. And so these scouting trips would go on. They were licensed by the administration. Uh, what What was illegal and what remains illegal, despite what's been going down lately, is actually transacting business with the Castro regime. That didn't happen. Uh, Trump paid the consultants once they came back for for their time and expenses, and that is as far as it went. Now, if there's a, a uh, the Capitol Cuban makes the point that if there's if there's some sort of of, uh, of action that needs to be taken, legal action against anybody, it's against this consulting group, not to Trump himself. And, you know, voters may see that that's a distinction without a difference. I don't know. I, I think that um, why then would – if that were the case, why then would you pay for the consultants through a charity? Again, that's, that's, that's a fine question. 
That is a very good question. That that suggests that that Trump knew that not everything was on the up and up here, but still, there's an awful lot of there's 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 smoke enough. Um, I don't know that there's a real fire. Yeah, well, I guess, why would, it said on the bill though. It said on the bill that he they needed approvals, and it implied they didn't have any of those. I'm sorry, Ellen. Oh, what did you say? The, the the bill that Trump was given from the consulting firm Seven, whatever it was called, mm-hmm. there was a note on that bill that said that uh, you know basically that this was illegal unless you had the approval of the government or unless it was done for a charity. There was an exception for charities who would go down to Cuba. Right. There was no exception for private business. And I'm just wondering well, one that, thing, and I'll defer to Tom and to, uh, Joe on this. You know, I'll defer to Tom and to Joe on this. My God, you guys are down there. I'm not. But uh, I have to ask a question. Is this not going to hurt Trump with the Cuban vote in Florida? They're not exactly Castro aficionados. I don't think it'll have that big an impact. Frankly, um, mm-hmm. for two reasons, it's it's Trump for one, and there's so much other stuff swirling around him that I that, that I think this gets lost in the shuffle. And you know, it may be a talker uh, in the Cuban community, um, as you suggest, Alan. It may there it may hurt him somewhat, but there were there are probably other the other side of that is probably going good because there is a bit of a schism uh in that there's no unanimity of opinion uh within the Cuban community in Florida about what the states and the na- national policy ought to be uh toward Castro younger folks mm-hmm. seem to want normalization older people are saying over my dead body so I think this is probably just more of the same. I have a question again, Tom, with regard to Rubio. If you go out and make a statement like he did, which basically is saying, you know, for the moment I'll I'll let it go. Uh, I'll, but I want to hear something from the um, campaign, and the campaign chooses not to say something. Where does that put Marco in his asking for something and not receiving it? Well, I think that this is uh, got to be a, a a political ploy that's shoring up his uh, Cuban support to to remind them that he is a, he is of them and among them, and that he's looking out for their interests. That he's he's not said that anything illegal was done so far. He just wants to see the uh, the the what was what was behind it, um, and you. And it, you got to face the fact that he has an election to win himself. Uh, so I think that this puts him in the position of looking like a watchdog. And and Floridians, especially Cuban Floridians, will appreciate that. No, actually, and I totally agree with you on that. I just was wondering, if you're not going to get a result, and, but you ask the question, you know, in some regards, does it, that probably helps him out better than if he actually got a result. Oh, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised. I mean, the 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 entire, oftentimes, just getting out front of an issue early on, is the thing that people will, will remember, and they will remember that that despite having reluctantly endorsed the man, 
he is still willing to stand up to him and say, hey, look, you know, uh, we need to know more about what went down here. And that's part of his campaign is that no matter who is elected president, uh, you need strong resistance. You, you, you need people who will who will call people out, who will call the president out, uh, no matter what party they're from. Uh, you need that sort of person on Capitol Hill, and I guess that's the. I would I would think that that is the the uh, the atmosphere, the uh, characterization that he is attempting to to create here with this. Well, there's there's another the point too. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, if I can, if I can sure. jump in for a second, uh, particularly with Rubio, um, it gets him in the news, and he's in a pretty tight race uh, with Patrick Murphy uh, to hold on to his Senate seat. Now he 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 still holds a slight lead, but uh, you know it is within the margin for error. The last poll I saw, and so anything that puts him in the headlines right now uh, sucks some oxygen out of uh, Patrick Murphy's candidacy. So uh, in this sense, it's kind of a gift to Rubio, and he is quite properly taking advantage of it. The latest PPP uh, poll, which came out on Thursday, had um, Rubio up by seven, but the Real Clear Politics poll, uh, you know, they obviously take Mm -hmm. averages of every one of them, has it at 3.4, which is within the margin of error at this point. And I have I've seen a, uh, one or two polls where it was uh, two points. Now you know this is going to be the year that uh, I think some polls may go out of business after this year because uh, there are such wide variances on what we see that I almost don't know what to believe. And and uh, it's funny going back to the point that that was made earlier about the the instant response polls uh, that Trump. Champion the other night is showing he won the debate uh, on the uh, daily Meet the Press show that uh, Chuck Todd hosts. He really got into it with a Trump operative uh, yesterday, on uh, which was Thursday, mm-hmm. over that very issue, and well, was uh, it was almost heated at one point with Chuck Todd going, "How can you put any faith in these polls? These are." You know, you, you're a professional. You know how this works. And, of course, the guy being on a mission to support Trump um, was was arguing back. But when the there are just – you don't know what to believe sometimes on all these polls. And, and I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure that even on, on the ones that are quote-unquote scientific that – that they're not getting some bogus answers from people who, who may just be goofing with them. Uh, I have no, nothing to back that up other than uh, a hunch that in this year anything goes. Well, Joe, let me say this. Let me say this. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Jim. No, go ahead. Uh, let, let, let me say this. I remember when Obama had a bad first debate against Mitt Romney. He didn't right. claim he won. He admitted he had a bad debate. His staff admitted he had a bad debate. And he came back like gangbusters in the next two debates. This candidate, Donald Trump, as you both have said tonight, he lives in a parallel alternate universe. His staff is afraid to say publicly that he had a bad, bad night. He would be better off saying to himself, I had a tough night. I'm going to come back. I think people would respect it. But when they hear him talk about how he won, how the moderator was rigged, people think he's a nut. And 
Well, they already think you can not. But that's they are, and 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 they sab they sabotaged his microphone. Oh yeah, that was a good yeah. One. I mean, oh yeah. <laughs> but you're not dealing with you're you're not dealing with the primary election electorate here. You're dealing with a different electorate. He'll get the hardcore he got in the primary, but unless there is a terrible revelation about Hillary Clinton, like we we find out that she was a secret ISIS fighter or something like that, or uh, something really awful, like uh, but she that created ISIS. Come on. Yeah, she created ISIS. Unless you get something like that, I don't see her losing this election. I think that uh, you know people do want change, but they look at this guy as if he's from the pa- the planet Saturn. He's off the wall. Well, You're I think he's part of the politically incorrect podcast on. Sports on NewsTalkFlorida.com and BlogTalkRadio.com. I'm Jim Williams, your host. Tom Jackson, Joe Henderson, Alan Steinberg, and uh, Alan. Was it you that was about to speak? Who was about to speak before I uh, interrupted you? Sorry. I, I, Alan just said that uh, Trump was from Saturn. I think he's a lot farther out than that. He's outside the solar system, man. I think he's outside from the, the planet Zortron. <laughs> Uh, it's one of the, he's from one of those little specks that shows up on the Hubble telescope every now and then they tell us it's a planet. Um, but I, I don't think he's going to win, but I am truly amazed at how this election has gone. They'll, they'll be writing books about this for a long time. Well, you know what? I mean, look, we can laugh and we've had a great deal of fun and expense at, um, at Donald Trump's, um, Expense, I guess I use expense twice in the same sentence. Okay. Uh, but I don't think any one of the four of us is going to sit here and say he couldn't win. Well, no. I think, I think he could win, but it's very unlikely. Very unlikely. It would have to be an unforeseen development. Uh, and I think uh, that, uh, you know, he has a very narrow path. If he doesn't, it is impossible for him to win if he doesn't win Florida. Whereas Hillary Clinton can and will win without Florida and Ohio if she takes five states. And she's looking good in the polls and all of them. I'll tell you what those five states are. Colorado, New Hampshire, Michigan, Wisconsin, actually six states. Pennsylvania and Virginia. If she wins those six states, she wins the election. He's got a narrow path. He probably will win Ohio for the reasons that uh, Tom said last week. When Tom talked about that Youngstown article, Tom is right. But I know Youngstown. I used to go there to get drunk when I was uh, about 18 years old. I was living in Western I think Pennsylvania. Yeah. You had to be 21. You know, you had to be eight. You could be 18 in Ohio and drink. And uh, I'm not proud of this, but I'm uh, all in the interest of full disclosure. And, uh, you know, in Pennsylvania, you had to be 21. Youngstown was the old industrial America, just like the Western Pennsylvania I grew up in. I grew up in a town that was like the town in the movie Deer Hunter, Clarion. I grew up in New Kensington. And all these towns now are sad, uh, you know, postmodern world uh, where they've never come back from the demise of heavy industry. So people there are going to love Donald Trump, but that's not and, – and he probably will carry Ohio, but he's not going to carry Pennsylvania because the suburbs of Philadelphia – Philadelphia, I'll tell you the one thing. That debate was the greatest thing for Hillary Clinton in terms of get-out-the-vote efforts when he talked about supporting stop and frisk. There is nothing that is more despised in the African-American community than stop and frisk. And, boy, will that help her get out of vote. And that's why I think she's going to carry Pennsylvania uh, with the uh, African-American vote in the city, much larger than any Hispanic vote there. 
and the uh, sub- white, suburban uh, white college educated vote. I think he blew it that night. Well, speaking of debates, the next one up is a town hall. And the only town halls that I can remember him doing was, a, I think, two or three with Sean Hannity, one with Anderson Cooper, and one with Tim, uh, from, with um, Chris Matthews that uh, had that famous uh, situation where they were talking about, uh, you know, in the case of an abortion, should someone be uh, charged or come up on criminal charges? And oh, yeah. he said mm-hmm. women, the woman should. And yeah. that was a bad uh, situation for him. I'm not well, sure I, that, if, that if, I could, if I could restrain. interject. Yeah, by all means. Um, Jim, the, the question was, uh, Chris, I, I, think, I think Chris Matthews asked him if the woman who sought the abortion should be punished. And he, and he, and he, so it wasn't him putting the woman in his uh, the word woman in his mouth. It was it was Chris saying that. But then he said, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like it was like it had never even occurred to him before to to think through the ramifications of what he was talking about. And he was making a decision right there on that moment to to sort out the the corner that he had rhetorically backed himself into. And so, having not thought about it until that very moment, yeah, he says, "Yeah, yeah, there's got to be some sort of punishment." Mm-hmm. He's just he is just not a serious person, just not serious. Well, maybe. Well, we'll find out, but. It's uh, it's going to be interesting, and I, I, I really – I'm going to be fascinated. I think that – you know, look, I, I think we all can agree that his best abilities are when he talks about change, when he talks about the economy and jobs and all that and trade. Those are the three things that if, you know, if Kellyanne is still allowed to walk into the same room with him, she should pull a carvel and make sure that every book he picks up, every suit that he has on, whatever it is, on it or in it, there's the thing, it's the economy, stupid. Well, in this case, it's the economy, it's trade, and it's jobs. And if he stays on, if he could stay on that track and not get sidetracked by all this other stuff, I think that it would serve him well. Here's here's the thing about Trump um, that it kind of goes a little bit to Alan's point um, being from Ohio in a, a small Ohio town uh, where we were about 20 miles from where John Boehner came from. So you can imagine how conservative that area is. And I feel like I, I know my people up there, uh, even though I've lived in Florida for a long time, they are honest, hardworking, dedicated People who believe in, uh, you know, America believe maybe in an America that may or may not exist today, or at least their version of it. But they believe in this country. They believe in the flag, and and all of that good stuff. And they believe that they're getting screwed royally by the government, and particularly by Democrats. And they they don't, which which is kind of you know, maybe a, a subject for another longer uh, podcast, but Ohio was a very big union state, and they 
they feel like the unions have let them down. Now, that's a Democratic, um, you know, uh, tenant is is union support. Well, that's gone away, and so all these people are sitting out there going, "What's you know, we get to pay for everything, and all the fat cats get to live the high life. What's in it for us?" Well, along comes Donald Trump, and we can sit here all day, and we do appropriately talking about how full of hot air he is. But to the people of small town Ohio and small town Indiana and Iowa and all the rest, he is the only candidate who is really talking to them, they believe. And they, you know, they they will probably vote against their own best interests if they vote for Trump. But my point that I'm leading up to is when this election is over and if Hillary Clinton wins and she takes office, she better not think that all is well now she can do what she wants because she'll be done in four years if if that's the case. You got to go back and make those people understand that you do really care about them uh, more often than when you just come around begging for their votes. And you know, if there's if Trump has done one thing positive for this country, it is where he has maybe awakened that image. And I hope then that the serious politicians, no matter their party, can learn from that and uh, and do something about it going forward. I'll get off my soapbox now. Well, I, mean, I agree with what point, Joe just said. To your point, if you look at it, they've got John Kasich who is very good at working uh, on both sides of the aisle. And, you know, you know he's good at it because sometimes he pisses off his own Republicans in his own state while at the same time doing the equal job of pissing off the Democrats. So, um, you know, those are the kind of people who get elected. And it's certainly, uh, you know, you're talking about John Boehner. I mean, they're they're conservative, but they're not, they're not unwilling to look at uh, – the other side and work with the other side if it's in the best interest of both uh, whatever happens for this you know, state of Ohio. No, I think Kasich right now probably is uh, softening up the ground for uh, a run in the next presidential cycle um, because the Republican Party will, assuming that, that the election has the result that we all think and hope it will, um, there needs to be an awakening in that party. And Kasich might just be the guy to do it. I like him. I think he's very pragmatic, uh, not a great campaigner, but doggone it, he stuck to his guns. And uh, he was the last guy standing uh, against Trump. And I thought he showed a lot of fortitude uh, in boycotting the convention in his own state where Ted, air quotes, spineless crews caved in uh, the, and with his endorsement. I was, I was actually starting to respect Cruz. And then, um, you know, that, that kind of went out the door. Kasich has not done that. So let's not start 2020 just yet. Let's get through 2016 first. But uh, I think John Kasich has picked up on what we're talking about here, that, that fundamental mistrust now that the working people of this country have toward their government. I, have a quick question I agree with for what Tom Joe just said. I have a quick question for Tom and Alan. 
if you know if uh, the Republicans don't win the White House this time around, is there going to be a problem in the party? Because it seems to be there's the center um, establishment, the Bush wing, however you want to call it, of the party, and then there's the you know Freedom Caucus, and to an extent there's even some libertarian thrown in there. What does the I mean, ever having looked at it here at Congress, where you know a lot of times there were things I think Paul Ryan would have liked to have gotten done, but couldn't because he couldn't get the um, the support from his own uh, party. What uh, what are we looking at in a 2017 Congress uh, with Republicans and how um, how they forget about worrying about the White House? How do they govern when there is is a schism between? Um, the party that seems not to be able to be repaired at the moment. I, th- I think it's going to be bad. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, I, I'm not ahead, sure. Tom. I'm not so. Sh- I'm not sure about that. Um, I think if the the Republicans hold the House, um, even no, no matter which way the Senate goes, um, that Paul Ryan is is. He's not the kind of deal maker that John Boehner is, or he's not predisposed to do the sorts of things that John Boehner was. But he is a serious policy guy, and I think, for better or worse, I think Hillary Clinton is a serious policy wonk herself. And I think for the first time, for the first time in eight years, we will see two people who are serious about moving the country forward. Who are also interested in compromise. Uh, I, I I still think that Hillary is is way out in left field, but I think that she will take cues from her husband's successful presidency, and his greatest successes came after the Republicans took control of of Capitol Hill, and he triangulated. He got an awful lot of what he wanted, and he and he exited the White House as the most as the most popular president, the, the highest approval numbers uh, since what Reagan, or even beyond them, maybe Eisenhower, um, and she is not foolish enough to think that she will be able to go to war with a Republican House and get what she wants. Both sides are going to have to figure out ways to get along, and I, and I think that once you dispose of the purists on the fringes of both sides. Um, then you you see a nation that is interested in fixing stuff. I mean, to the, to the d- degree that, that Trump has support beyond the outrage, they also think that he's a practical guy. He's a businessman who, who, who has, in his professional life, gotten things done. I, I think that's what the, what the nation wants, and, and maybe I'm just – maybe I'm whistling past the graveyard here, but I'm, I'm thinking that there will be a fresh opportunity – that has not existed for a good long time, 10 years, going back to the, the last two years of the Bush administration, for level heads on both sides to to come to compromises and move the move the country forward. Hey, Alan, you've worked with um, – Now, blow, blow me up, Alan. No, Senator Clinton. No, no, no. I actually want to signal I – mean, I agree with Tom as far as Hillary and the Republican Congress. That's not going to be the big problem. In fact – 
I'll go one step. I, I agree with Tom. I actually think there's going to be a beneficial uh, part of that. I have been supporting Hillary and at the same time supporting the elect- retention of Republican control of the House and Senate for two reasons. Number one, I do not want to see her get ultra-liberals appointed to the Supreme Court, and a Republican Senate would be a check on that. Number two, I'm concerned about her estate tax proposal, which I think is confiscatory, and I think a Republican Congress would uh, block that. I've worked with her. I know her personally. She is. She always was able to work with the Republican delegation in the House of Representatives uh, from New York when she was the senator from New York. I got along with her very well. She's a lot more pragmatic than people think. I'll tell you where the war is going to be. There is going to be a civil war within the Republican Party. You are going to have the alt-right that is represented by Donald Trump. After they lose, they're going to become bitter, and they are going to try to retain a hostile takeover of the Republican Party. You will also have a what I call the classical conservatives, people like Ben Sass, the uh, senator from Nebraska, who are going to want the uh, sort of conservatism I subscribe to. It sounds a little elitist, but the conservatism of the National Review, so to speak. Uh, then you are going to have mainstream centrist Republicans. It is going to be a mess. I would not be shocked. I'm not going to predict this. I would not be shocked if there isn't a move to create a separate, more centrist Republican Party as distinguished from the Republicans of the alt-right. I, like I say, I'm not worried about the governing part. I think Republicans will find a way to work with Hillary Clinton. But I think the Republican Party is in danger of uh, really flying apart. You know, I think that Hillary Clinton is far more conservative than she's putting on because right now she can't play that role. She needs to play the role of, you know, appealing to Bernie Sanders people, appealing to Barack Obama's people. But I I, I really don't think um, Hillary Clinton is as far left, Tom, as, as she's running at this particular point in time. I don't know, Joe, what I are agree. your thoughts? No, I think I think that's very. Uh, you're totally on onto something there, Jim. I think um, she can't really win, or she would have a much more difficult time winning, unless uh, the Bernie uh, people come out in in some significant number for her. And she does have a problem there, which is why she's c- concentrating so much on that. But uh, you know how it goes. Uh, once you get elected. Uh, some of the things you said on the campaign trail, uh, you'll get around to it eventually. And uh, and for that, I, re- I, I remember Barack Obama's vow that he was going to close Guantanamo Bay prison. And uh, well, still there. And uh, so you say what you need to say on the trail um, sometimes. And I think she is going to backtrack from a lot of the the stuff she's talking about, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but that's the way uh, politics is run these days. All right, boys, time for last call. Um, go to Alan first. Alan, you're up on last call. You uh, you want to tell us a little bit about your uh, couple minutes with uh, Tim Kaine the other night? Yeah, it was. Uh, he's a very good communicator, and he's a, he has a very sound intellect. But I'll tell you, the big news in New Jersey was the horrible uh, train crash. Yes, uh, I got calls from relatives all over the country after half because I take the New Jersey transit train. I get off at uh, Jersey City, and uh, excuse me, at Newark, and then I take the path to Jersey City, so I never go through Hoboken. 
But I want to tell you an interesting development today. I thought this would be one area where politics wouldn't enter. That Chris Christie is already in trouble for Bridgegate, and now he got criticized very seriously today by Paul Molshine, a conservative writer for the Star-Ledger, because of the fact that transportation needs have been cut to the bone, and you did not have the kind of equipment you needed on those New Jersey transit trains that may have avoided uh, this catastrophe. So I think, uh, you know, the old saying, uh, he ain't heavy, he's my brother, uh, Chris Christie's going to become a heavier and heavier load for Donald Trump. The worse the news gets from the trial and with all the talk now of the horrific train accident in Hoboken. I'm focusing on that. Tom, you're up. I can't hear this. I can't hear Hoboken mentioned without thinking about that classic Bugs Bunny cartoon where he runs across a poor little penguin, and uh, the penguin is lost and wants to go home, and he treks all the way down South America. He keeps running into the uh, the Humphrey Bogart character. Uh, can you spare a dime for a guy out of work? And he gets all the way down to the tip of South America, ready to hand him off to Antarctica. And he discovers that he's that the penguin is is lost from a zoo in Hoboken. Hoboken, I'm dying. <laughs> that's, a, that's all I got. That's <laughs> a little levity there. there. Home, well done. Hometown of Francis Albert Sinatra, by the way. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Max hometown. Okay, Joe, you're up. Well, uh, I'm going to stay with the Jersey team here and uh, and see if, uh, in addition to the issues with the transit, that uh, the heat the heat gets turned up even more on Governor Christie on Bridgegate because there were some revelations that came out uh, that oh by the way yeah he 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 did know about the bridge scheme and he uh, this, despite all of his denials and his bombast he um one of his aides one of his former aides said that christie was actually very happy about the gridlock and uh, that one's getting harder and harder for him to talk his way out of and so i'm going to be paying attention to see um if if there's any more developments in that uh but as we always say uh whenever we talk about wagering it's for amusement only that's very true well gentlemen We've come to the end of the show. Let's go with our social media. Uh, Tommy, go ahead. You're up. You can find me on Facebook at uh, Tom Jackson, journalist, entrepreneur. My Twitter handle would be at Thomas Jacks Tampa, T-H-O-M-A-S-J-A-X, Tampa. Alan Steinberg. You can find me on Facebook at Alan Joel Steinberg, and my Twitter handle is at A Steinberg 613. And Joe Henderson. I am on Facebook as well at uh, Joe Henderson Commentary Columns and Such. And if uh, you're inclined to go to Twitter, you can find me there at the initial J Henderson Tampa, T-A-M-P-A. You have been listening to this edition of the Politically Incorrect Podcast. I'm Jim Williams, Washington Bureau Chief News Talk Florida, along with News Talk Florida columnists, Alan Steinberg, Joe Henderson, Tom Jackson. Again, we hope you enjoyed this edition of the Politically Incorrect Podcast. And until next time, be safe and have a wonderful weekend.